Welcome. My name is Michael Asetta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about latency versus speed. Now this topic came from somebody on social media, so make sure you're following us on social media and asking the questions that you have, the questions you want the answer for so that I can provide those answers in a easy to understand format, and I hope that this is an easy to understand format. Today what we're talking about is latency versus speed and how we can get your dog to respond faster, how you can get your dog to respond with some more oomph, right? But specifically, we're going to be talking about latency today. Latency is how long it takes between recognizing the signal to do something and starting the action. So if you're sitting at a red light, latency is when you see the green light and that tells you to go for you to then start the process of moving the vehicle forward, not how fast you drive away from the line. How fast can you process the new information and then act upon it? When it comes to our dog, it's as simple as how fast can my dog hear the behavioral cue, right? I tell them to sit. How fast can they go from hearing it to then doing it? How fast can they hear it and then start to do it? Now, there are three main things that you have to get down in order to have a very good latency, in order for your dog to respond very quickly, in order for them to be super sharp and snappy the way you see it if you're watching competitions or if you're on TikTok and you see those dogs doing beautiful things. You're like, oh my God, how do they get their dog to respond so well? My dog takes 45 years to respond. I tell my dog to sit and they lazily go over and They're maybe putting their butt down. Maybe they're thinking about something else. How do we switch it? How do we switch it? So the first thing you have to understand is how we add in the association of the word in the first place. That's number one. If you can get that right, the next two are so much easier. Number one, how do we add the association between the word and the action? Now, I've heard many people say that you can just add in the word at any point. Now, this is the wrong thing to do. I just want to tell you what the majority of people do. They just add in the word whenever. Their dog kind of knows it, they really know it, or they don't know it at all. And we're asking our dog to do something. So if my dog does not know how to roll over, and I keep telling him, hey, roll over, roll over, roll over, roll over, roll over, and he doesn't do it, what happens? Number one, I don't get the result that I want, so I'm going to get frustrated. You're going to get frustrated. Number two, My dog doesn't know what I want, so they're going to get frustrated and confused. They're like, why the hell are you asking me to roll over? I don't know what the hell that means. So we've created confusion amongst the entire training picture and frustration on both my side and my dog's side. The third thing that's going to happen is the word is going to decrease in value. It has a, a neutral value at the moment because they don't know what it means. But the more I say it and nothing happens, they don't do anything. We're going to drop below zero. Think about the annoying alarm in your car. Or, uh, you know, if you have something in your house that makes a beeping noise. Sometimes when the fire alarm, right, the battery isn't good, it'll make a beeping noise. And until you go get a battery, you have to deal with that beeping noise for a little bit. 
you're going to drown out that beeping noise at some point. Or if you've ever not put your seatbelt on in the car, that dinging that's going off, eventually you can drown out. Because it's not so painful and so annoying that it requires an immediate response. Your brain will just tune it out because it's no longer important. Your brain is a remarkable thing. And our dogs do the same thing. They will just tune things out if they don't think they're important. That's the whole basis of having a dog that is desensitized to fireworks, gunshots, uh, the vacuum cleaner, right? We're teaching them, hey, it's not important to pay attention to that sound. Just drown it out. It's the whole point of desensitization. So when it comes to teaching your dog words, you do not want to be desensitizing them to the word that you eventually want to use. And I've had some clients where we change the word. They've said sit so many times that we now have to say sietate, which is uh, Spanish for sit. Or we have to say seats, slightly different, but it's different enough where our dog has not desensitized that word. Or with the name. They say the nickname all the time, and so our dog doesn't really care about their nickname, and so we have to use their full name, right? Just like when your mom used to call you or your dad used to call you. For me, Michael Joseph has said it, right? Oh, now you got my attention. It's very different from Michael, right? Even the tonality is different, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. And that could play a role in it as well. If you say the name or the action word, whatever the cue word is, if you say it a certain way and then change the way you're saying it, your dog's also going to be confused. But that's another another story. So, number one, do not use the word until they know the action. They have to know the action first. So we need to pair it appropriately. You're going to teach them what you want them to do. You're going to teach them what your expectation is, however that may be. Whether you're going to use shaping, whether you're going to use luring, targeting... You could use compulsive methods if you feel so inclined, although I don't think it'll help you in the long run. You're going to teach the dog exactly what you want them to do. That is priority numero uno. Teach them exactly what you want them to do. Then, and only then, can you add in the word before having them do the action and then reward them for responding to this new word. So for simplicity, we're going to say place. If I walk my dog over to their bed, they put all four paws on, I mark with my clicker, I reward them off of place, they learn that going and putting all four paws on place is the right thing to do. That's what gets the click, that's what gets the mark, and that's what eventually gets the reward. We repeat this several times until my dog is offering up the behavior. Now that my dog is offering up the behavior, I'm no longer going to prompt them with a lure, with a target, with walking over. I'm going to wait for them to start offering the behavior willingly. This is called throwing behavior at you. The dog is so motivated and they desire the reward so much that they're just trying the behavior over and over and over again. That's what you want before you add in the word. The reason you want this is because the dog needs to know what they should be doing. And this is a huge signal that they know it. They're doing it without you having to do anything. You're just standing there rewarding them for doing the same behavior over and over again. So now they do the behavior, you reward them. Before they go do the behavior again, you're just going to say the word. You could say place, you could say mat, you could say go lay down, you could say go relax, whatever it is. 
You're going to say your cue. And the moment they start to take off towards doing the behavior again, you're going to mark and reward them again. Now, many people get confused by this. Why am I marking and rewarding when the behavior isn't done? Because we've changed our expectation just a little bit. We've changed what we're rewarding, rather. Instead of rewarding for the full behavior, we are now rewarding our dog for responding to this new cue. We are rewarding them for responding to the new cue. So I'm not going to wait for the behavior to be completely done because it could take too long. So the second I see that my dog is going towards place, and I say the word place, and they speed up, or they weren't looking at place, I say place, and now they're looking at place. Whatever the signal is that I can tell they are going to go do the behavior again, and you'll pick up on those signals because they've done the behavior so many times before, you see, oh, they're going straight towards place. I'm going to mark that. Now, you could reward them on place. I would not. I would reward them away from place to reset the behavior. And then after I reward them, I'm going to say place again. And the second they get in the motion of towards place, right, they're, they're moving towards place, I'm going to mark and reward again. And I might wait just a little bit longer that time. That's okay. Right? You have to finesse this. The goal is to reward them for responding to the cue, not the full behavior right now. We can then sharpen that up later. And I could, I could really build on it and expand the amount of time they have to do the behavior, that's duration. I could expand the distance they have to go in order to complete the behavior, that's distance. Those are the other variables we work on. But the first thing you have to get down is teaching them the association between the word and the action. And the latency is how fast they can go from hearing the word and starting the action. Not how fast they do the action. How fast can they start the action after hearing the word or prompt, whether it's an environmental cue or the actual word that you've used, to tell them to do the behavior. Number two is timing. Okay, so once you've made the association, now you have to get the timing right. Now, I, this is completely separate from the first one because of how important it is. I've had clients who go to teach their dog very basic obedience. If you're going to teach sit or down, do not wait until the behavior is over. I was just talking about this, but I wanted to drive it home a little bit more. So if you're going to say the word sit, the second your dog's butt starts to go down, you're going to mark and reward them. The moment they start moving, mark and reward, especially if you want to improve latency. Your goal is to reward the faster responses. So if you're going to reward the second they move, they're going to start moving faster. It's when we wait, and we wait for their butt to actually hit the ground to mark and reward, that they learn staying still is actually what they're getting rewarded for. You have to look at the whole picture. Am I rewarding my dog for staying still or am I rewarding my dog for movement? Many cases, the timing is slightly off and we end up rewarding our dog for stopping the movement or being completely still. So if my dog is in the sit position, I'm marking and rewarding them for staying still. If they're moving into the sit position and I mark and reward them, then I'm rewarding them for movement. See the difference? 
This is where if you've ever tried shaping and your dog has just stopped moving and stared at you, your timing was slightly off. You are rewarding your dog for not moving or stopping movement. This very often happens when we're trying to do motivational work. And we're going to talk about this in the part two of this podcast when we talk about speed. But if you're accidentally pushing the toy or the treat into your dog, you're slowing them down instead of having them chase the toy or the treat. We don't want that. We want our dog to be actively moving when we reward them so that we are rewarding the movement. And it sounds super simple, but unless you're thinking about it, unless you're really honing in on what you should be rewarding, you could miss this step. So the timing is critical. If you're too early, then your dog hasn't done anything. If you're too late, your dog has stopped doing something. You have to be at a very beautiful sweet spot right when they start to move. So you say sit, their butt starts to go down, click, and then give them a treat. The third aspect, the third aspect, right? Number one, you have to build an association. Number two, it's all about timing. And number three, is about using a little bit of frustration, just a little bit of frustration, to get your dog to respond faster. Now, you cannot do this in the beginning stages of training. You cannot do this when we're talking about a continuous reward schedule. You have to do this after your dog knows what they should be doing. If you do this too soon, they will lose the confidence in the behavior itself, which is not what we want, right? We want to increase our dog's confidence that the behavior is the right thing to do. And we can only do that by rewarding them heavily in the beginning for doing the behavior itself. So let's say we're going to have our dog recall. And recall is one of those things that many trainers say reward every single time. I am not one of those trainers because that goes against behavioral theory and and how it works and how we can strengthen things. So let's say we're going to practice a 25-foot recall. Super simple. We'll practice a 25-foot recall. The dog already knows when I say their name, they give me their attention, and then the recall cue is come. Let's say hawk, come, runs 25 feet, sits in front of me. I grab his collar to practice having him be nice and relaxed, and then I mark and reward with the treat. If you want to learn how to do any of these behaviors, by the way, in the exact format that I'm laying out for you right now, head over to Matador Canine dot com slash obedience. I go through all the obedience routines in this exact format. We go through each step-by-step, exercise-by-exercise so that you can learn exactly how to do what I'm talking about. MatadorCanine.com slash obedience. So my dog runs to me. They sit in front of me. Perfect. Boom. Grab the collar. Give him a treat. Let him know he did a good job. And then we practice again. After my dog has considerable amount of confidence in doing that behavior, in that picture. Now what I can do is start to respond, I'm sorry, start to reward the responses that fall within a certain window. So if I recall my dog, I say, Hawk, come, and it takes him five seconds to respond, he finally gets to me, I'm not going to reward him. If the next repetition, he's a little frustrated he'll respond faster because he's like, hey, wait a second, I didn't get my treat last time and I usually do. That's part of it. So many people will jump the beginning step. They won't build the confidence in the behavior 
And then the dog goes, oh, well, I never get rewarded, so I'm not going to do it. And that's usually people's objection when I tell them to do this. Well, how is my dog going to know how to do it if I never give them a treat? You've given them a lot of treats. They know what they should be doing. This is step two, right? They already know what the behavior is. They know how to do it, and they do it well. We're talking about taking everything to the next level. But you also have to remember the timing. So when I say, Hawk, come, the moment he starts moving, I should mark. And then running towards me is just part of the reward event, right? He's going to get to me. I'm going to give him the treat. So if it takes him five seconds to respond, I'm not going to mark when he responds because it's taking too long. It fell outside of my criteria. Now, the next time we do it, if it falls within three seconds and I mark, he goes, oh, I got to respond faster. Then I can give him a treat when he gets to me. And then we can practice it again. And I might say, okay, you got to respond within two seconds. Now, this is not how, the way I'm describing this right now, the progression is not that fast. So you do not go from five seconds to three seconds to two seconds in a matter of three repetitions. That's not how it works. You should do five seconds for three or four sessions. And those sessions might be five minutes each. And then you'll do three seconds for five to 10 sessions, and then two seconds for five to 10 sessions at five to 10 minutes each. See what I mean? So it's, it takes longer, but if you do three sessions a day, by the end of the week, your dog's going to be responding to the recall within two seconds. And your timing has to be perfect. The second they respond to the word that they already know, and the behavior that they already know, the second they respond to it, you mark right away, they run all the way to you, you give them a treat, that is how you're going to build on this. It's the only way to build on it. It's the only way to improve their latency is by having them engaged the second they start to respond. Remember, latency is not how long it takes to do the behavior. It's not how fast they can do the behavior. It's how fast they can go from hearing you tell them what to do to then do it. If you want to learn more, head over to Matador Canine Brilliance. Sorry, matadorcanine.com slash obedience. Matadorcanine.com slash obedience. I want to tell you a little story about latency and how we were able to improve it with a dog named Bear. The owner wanted an amazing recall. And this dog had an amazing recall, but she wanted it faster. And we were practicing. The dog really didn't want to recall to her. For some strange reason, it would do it and it would like look at her and it didn't really want to come all the way to her. So instead of waiting for him to make mistakes, we went back to the basics. And I always recommend this. Go back to the basics. So we start at five feet. Super simple. Dog's in a down. We're just going to recall him to us. And what we noticed was that he was so dependent on the toy being in front of the owner because she practiced fetch all the time. So we put the toy away, and we practiced it again. What we did, the moment he started to move towards us, we'd mark, or rather I'd mark, so the timing was perfect, I'd mark. She'd reach back, grab the toy, and then toss it behind him so we could reset for the next one. This sharpened his recall amazingly, to the point where if he was running, and you recalled him, he would skid on the floor, turn around, and come back. That's how fast we wanted him to respond, and that's how fast he did respond. 
The timing was perfect. We set up the perfect picture in the scenario. We didn't have anything in the way for our dog to object to, right? Like, oh, well, you don't have a toy. I don't see a toy, so I'm not going to come over there. We eliminated that, taught the dog to come all the way to us, and the moment he responded, we gave him exactly what he wanted, which was the toy. And we didn't wait for him to fail. So if we were going to call him and... He did the first part great, which he did, right? He, he did the first 10 feet or so, if we're talking about 25 feet. He did the first 10 feet or so, but once he got within 10 feet of us, 15 feet of us, if he saw she didn't have the ball, he was going to turn and leave. So I didn't wait for him to get to that point, right? We had to reteach him that just running to us initially will get the ball to come out. And then you have to run a little bit further and then the ball will come out. And then you have to run a little bit further and then the ball will come out. And then you have to run all the way to me and then the ball will come out. And then you have to run all the way to me and sit and wait for 30 seconds and then the ball will come out. So those steps, those incremental steps are what make it easier for your dog to learn the behavior, respond quickly, and have confidence in the behavior and the fact that they're going to get rewarded. And then you can work on a little bit of frustration you can improve the latency by doing everything we've talked about in today's episode. If you want to learn more, head over to matadorcanine.com slash obedience, matadorcanine.com slash obedience. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time.